Well, it's good to be with you all today. I'm happy to be here. Um, <clears throat> our brother James told us about the right passage, but he unfortunately read the wrong one, <laughs> which you might have noticed um, in, your, in your Bibles. So we're going to actually spend our time at the beginning here turning to chapter 8, uh, Luke chapter 8. And we're going to begin... <laughs> And we're going to begin by reading, starting in verse 4. So, Luke chapter 8, verse 4. The passage you read is beautiful, by the way. It's great. This is just a different one. All right. 8, verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot, and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up with it and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. And as he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. When his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Now, the parable is this. The seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. The ones on the rock are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. As for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for that, in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, Hold it fast with an honest and good heart and bearing fruit with patience. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who, who enter may see. They may see the light. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be, that will not be known and come to light. Take care, then, how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. Then his mothers and brothers came to him, but they could not reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. This is the word of the Lord. Father God, we just thank you so much that you've given us this opportunity to come to the word. You've given us an opportunity to hear what you have to tell us. When we come together and gather, it's not just a time that we get to come and sing truths to you and speak to you, Lord, although we do, but now we have an opportunity to hear from you. So I pray, Holy Spirit, you would be faithful with this time, that you would teach us, that you would instruct us, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us with the gospel. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I remember, <laughs> I remember when I, uh, when I took the jump from high school learning to post-secondary learning. That's probably something a lot of you guys have experienced before. And, and one of the things I had to learn pretty quickly was, was how to actually listen well. 
You know, before, before an exam in high school, you, you get a lot of hand-holding. You get told what to study and, and when to study it and what's going to be there, what's not. And when you reach that next level, kind of the further you get, you tend to be more on your own. You hear lectures, you read books, and you decide what's important for you to, to understand or to walk away with. And, and, and hopefully you're right when it comes time to writing the exam. So in my case, I had to begin to, to examine how I took in information, how I took in information. I asked myself, you know, how can I take notes better? How, how do I isolate the important ideas? How do I remember things more effectively or, or engage more critically? And, you know, those, those aren't questions I, I spent time asking in my teenage years. But it's a natural part of growth and education, learning how to listen well, learning how to take things in in the right way. Otherwise, you, you don't embrace what matters, right? Otherwise, you miss the point. At this point in the Gospel of Luke, you can see uh, two groups forming, basically. You can see there's this surprising cast of people that Luke tells us about who embrace the message of Jesus in faith. It's not the cast of people you'd expect. It's the opposite. And then, and then there's also an equally surprising cast of people who reject it. And in our, in our passage today, Jesus is going to cap all these stories that have been being told off by urging his hearers to carefully assess how we are taking in his message, how we are taking in his words, how we're listening to them. You know, in our fallen state, we naturally fail to, recon- to, 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 to recognize and align ourselves with the work of God the redemptive work of God. You can see that happening all the way from from Adam and Eve in the garden all the way to the new heavens and the new earth foretold in Revelation. The redemption of God is consistently, every step along the way, met with rebellion. It's met with rebellion, angelic and human rebellion. People attempting to, to write their own stories instead of submitting to God's story. Even God's chosen redemptive people continually show a readiness to throw off the yoke of God's will in favor of their own design. So why would it be any different when it comes to Jesus? Why would it be any different when Jesus begins pronouncing the kingdom? Jesus knows this. He knows it and and he expects this. And so he's lovingly urging us in these passages to take care how we hear. To take care how we hear. This is a plea we all need to take very seriously because naturally we, are, we have this broken desire to write our own narrative, to write our own story, one that inevitably clashes with the message of, of, of Jesus' kingdom. Jesus identifies us as what? Desperate sinners, <laughs> desperate sinners in need of a savior. We're called to repent in, in humility before God, to recognize that that the universe has never really been about us. It's always been about Jesus. Now let me ask you, if you're writing the script, is that, is that how it reads? Not a chance. Not a chance. Naturally, we are blind and deaf to Jesus' word, not because we can't understand it, because we don't want to hear it. In our passage, Jesus is taking hold of those who hear his word. It's like he's grabbing us by the shoulders and looking us in the face and saying, listen, listen to me. Think very carefully about how my word enters into your ears and settles down into your heart. What is your heart doing with it? Take care how you hear. 
Throughout this passage, Jesus is going to give us a number of reasons why we've got to take care, why we have to be on guard, and what exactly we're looking for. And the first reason I want to point out is this, not all who hear will understand. Not all who hear will understand. Let me read again, starting in verse 4. And when a great crowd was gathering and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, a sower went out to sow his seed. And as he sowed, some fell along the path and was trampled underfoot and the birds of the air devoured it. And some fell on the rock and it grew up and withered away because it had no moisture. And some fell among thorns and the thorns grew up and, and choked it. And some fell into good soil and grew and yielded a hundredfold. As he said these things, he called out, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when his disciples asked him what this parable meant, he said, To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see, and hearing they may not understand. Jesus, at this point in his ministry, he started to amass these huge crowds of people, and it makes sense, right? I mean, he's going around, he's healing the sick, he's, he's casting out demons. He started raising the dead at this point. And so who wouldn't want to be around this guy? Even the people that hate Jesus want to be around him at this point in the gospel. And he stands out in front of this great crowd, and he tells a parable. And like a lot of things that Jesus said, people don't understand it. People have a hard time understanding it. And so his disciples, separate from the crowd, they ask him, what are you meaning to say, Jesus? What is this supposed to say? What is this supposed to mean? And, and, and Jesus begins by telling us the overarching point of the parable. Verse 10, I can, can read it again for you. To you it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of God, but for others they are in parables, so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand. His explanation to his disciples is like a microcosm of what's going on in the parable. There's this small amount of good soil that yields much from the seed of God's word, but there are many other types of soils in which it does not grow successfully. The, 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 the crowd following Jesus who are hearing his message, it's great. There's a lot of people, but there's only one small group of disciples who have been given the privilege of knowing and understanding the secrets of the kingdom that Jesus is teaching out in the open air. The crowd is large, but the disciples are few. Hearing the words of Jesus doesn't really mean you've heard the words of Jesus. It doesn't. Just because you've heard Jesus doesn't mean you've really heard Jesus. It doesn't mean that you've understood don't just take for granted the opportunities that you've had to hear the gospel message spoken to you in love. The fallen human heart doesn't just embrace it. The fallen human heart doesn't just get it. It doesn't, it doesn't really matter, ultimately, if you've grown up in a Christian home, doing devotions around the dinner table, or, or sitting in, the, in church services for 50 years. That just puts you in the crowd. Don't get me wrong, it's a good thing to be in the crowd. You gotta be in the crowd to hear the message of Jesus. But being in the crowd doesn't mean you have ears to hear. It doesn't mean you've been given the gift of the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom. And, and I know just, I don't know you guys at all, okay? I've met a few of you at this point, but that's it. 
I just know statistically speaking, there's probably people who have been sitting in this room Sunday after Sunday after Sunday who have yet to trust that Jesus has reconciled them to God by the blood of the cross, who have repented of their sin, who, who rejoice in, in sharing in his resurrection and who have committed themselves to following him, come what may. He was yours to hear, let him hear. Not all who hear actually understand. So we've got to take care how we're hearing. Jesus is going to continue by explaining the parable fully. And it's going to reveal yet another reason why we need to take this business really seriously. He's going to communicate to us that dangerous obstacles impede our hearing. Dangerous obstacles impede our hearing. Listen to how he explains the parable. Verse 11. Now the parable is this, the seed is the word of God. The ones along the path are those who have heard. Then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. And the ones on the rock are, are those who, when they hear the word, receive it with joy. But these have no root. They believe for a while and in time of testing fall away. And as for what fell among thorns, they are those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by the cares and riches and pleasures of life, and their fruit does not mature. As for, the, as for that in the good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast with an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. Dangerous obstacles threaten the way that we hear the word of God. It's not just what goes on in our heart. There are things outside that make that even harder. And Jesus is pretty plain about what they are and why we need to stay vigilant. The seed in the parable is the word of God. It's the good news of the kingdom. But not all of the soil is good soil for receiving, germinating, and growing that seed. Bad soil is the soil that can't overcome these dangerous obstacles to growth. And the first thing that he points out is spiritual warfare. First thing he points out is spiritual warfare. It's like the hard soil, that kind of soil on the walking path. You know, you ever been hiking and you, you go along a path that's been tread on, right? By foot after foot after foot. It's rock hard. You can't plant anything in that soil. You throw the seeds on it, it just kind of bounces off. And, and it's snatched up by birds. And Jesus identifies the, the birds here as the devil, the devil and his, his spiritual allies. Practically, this is the kind of person that sees no benefit to the message of the gospel right from the start. They don't want to hear it. It's not important to them. They don't see why they need it. There's no benefit for the gospel in them or, or to them. And, and there could be a number of reasons why that hardness of heart is there, why somebody carries that hardness of heart. could be pride. Could be arrogance. It, it, could be, it could be that they've had a bad experience with the church. They've been hurt. It could be anger. They're angry with God because of the circumstances of their life. But whatever it is, this is the kind of thing that the enemy loves to prey upon. He loves to find that hard spot and press it in and make it harder. The word of God may at times be presented to a heart like that, but it never has a chance to germinate. Because with one intimation of a prideful or angry thought being encouraged to that person's soul, that word is plucked up and destroyed. The second kind of soil is the one that especially, that's especially susceptible to the obstacle of suffering and trials. If you know anything about gardening, 
And I know absolutely nothing about gardening. But I know this much. Planting seeds in rocky soil can cut the, the plant's ability off to grow the proper root system that it needs to collect moisture from the soil, to collect the nutrients that it needs to withstand everything that's coming. It's the same way with the gospel in the human heart. For many of us, we love, we love to hear the gospel. We love the sound of the gospel. We sang some of those truths this morning, right? About the love of God, how it overwhelms us, what he's done for us, what he's given us, and we love to hear those things until it means we have to suffer. Until it means hard things come. It's those times of testing that can cause us to abandon once we, what we once found so enticing. It's a pretty common thing, actually, that soon after learning about Christ and being passionate, people walk away from the call, they walk away from the church because life gets pretty ugly. A robust understanding of the kingdom of God makes room for that kind of suffering in the life of a believer. But when a person gets it in their mind that embracing the goodness of Christ means the end of evil in their life, and let's be real for a second, it does. Ultimately, it does and it will. That's a part of the gospel message. But it can be hard to be patient for that. People find it hard to be patient while they wait for that day beneath the struggles of of a world that hates Jesus, that's hostile to Jesus. Do you ever feel that way? I know I do. And it's okay. It's okay to struggle with that. But the rocky soil is the person who allows themselves to become completely defined by that struggle. And they allow that struggle to kill their joy in the gospel. The third kind of soil is especially susceptible to worldly pleasures. These kinds of people hear the gospel, they seem to embrace it, they seem to grow in it, but then rather than fixing their hearts on the kingdom of God, they fix it on the cares of the world. We all know what that's like, the cares of the world, right? This is the person who lives, trying to live with a foot in each camp. They allow themselves to get distracted by constantly chasing after earthly pleasures, earthly prestige, earthly riches, earthly goals. And I got to tell you, this one for me, it hits pretty close to home. Life can be really stressful and life can be really discontenting. We find it hard to be content. And oftentimes, because we get worried about what we don't have or how we've failed to set ourselves up for our future or, or we torture ourselves thinking about how to achieve the goals that we have, the goals of the kind of house we want or the stuff we want or the lifestyle goals we have or the, the type of family we want to have or, or the career goals we have. And, and, and those things don't always turn out the way we want them. In fact, I would, I would dare say they never turn out the way that we want them. There's always wrenches thrown into the middle of life when it comes to all of these pursuits. We can't always have all the pleasures we want to have, and the thorny soil is that person, again, who becomes defined by that pursuit. They become defined by by that struggle. Their distractions, their distractions of the things of this world cease to be distractions, and they become the ultimate goal. At that point, a true desire for the kingdom is gone, and they're only interested in building their own kingdoms. The good soil, on the other hand, is the person who receives the gospel with honesty and goodness and patience. 
They recognize that God's story is the only story that matters. They're honest about their sin. They're honest about the state of their heart and the state of the world around them, that their heart must be softened and they're patient. And they understand that God's fulfillment of his promises comes on his time, not their time. And it's these qualities that allow a person to overcome these dangerous obstacles to faith, spiritual warfare, suffering, and the pursuit of worldly pleasure. But these things exist. These things are very real. And they are always seeking to destroy the work of the gospel in the human heart. And so don't Take it for granted that upon hearing the word of Jesus, that your heart is going to just embrace it. Everything in you outside of Jesus Christ balks against this, resists the word of God. So test your heart, examine yourself, take care how you hear because the world is dangerous and hostile to Christ. And if you are careless in how you hear, God's word may bounce off your heart like a raindrop on a tin roof. God's word may, or you may discover that, that when assaulted by the strong winds of suffering and pain in this life, you never grew the gospel roots deep enough to nourish you well. Or you, make up, you may wake up one day and find that the message of the kingdom has been slowly and systematically suffocated by the concerns and pursuits of daily life. So much so that you've become, that, that those things have become your true kingdom. But I do want to say, friends, that we serve a mighty God. We serve a powerful God. We serve a God who can take human hearts that do those kind of things and raise them from the dead. There's a tension that I want us to feel here. These obstacles are real, they're serious, and they're scary. And I've got fears like everybody else, but, but I'll be honest with you, nothing scares me more than this. Nothing, nothing scares me more than my own heart because I know, I know me. I know the things that exist around me, and I know that I will willingly and frivolously give myself over to other things or other people other than Christ. I think that's a healthy fear, but the gospel is a beautiful thing. It has to be held in tension. This, this fear of the human heart has to be held in tension with the victory of Jesus. It has to be held in tension with what Christ has already won for us. He's already defeated these things. And if you've been called by Christ, and if you've received this word with honesty and goodness and patience, he will see you through. I'm going to read from Romans 8. It's kind of lengthy. I don't really care. Just bask in it. Okay? And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good. For those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who shall separate us from the love of God in Christ? 
Shall danger or tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors in him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? Believe it. God will keep his people. He is bigger, he is stronger than any obstacle that could stand in the way of faith in the hearts of his people. So test your heart. Think about these things. Think about how your heart is embracing this word of Christ, but entrust your heart to God. He is faithful. The Holy Spirit will minister to your daily need. Jesus continues and he gives us another picture. A picture about light coming from a lamp. And he gives it in two Proverbs. Ready? Verse 16 is the first one. No one, after lighting a lamp, covers it with a jar or puts it under a bed, but puts it on a stand so that those who enter may see the light. And then verse 17. For nothing is hidden that will not be made manifest, nor is anything secret that will not be known and come to light. From these Proverbs, Jesus is going to draw out another reason why we should take care how we hear, and that's this. His word affects everybody. His word affects everybody. The lamp that Jesus is talking about is his word. It's his kingdom teaching. And after he tells the parable of the sower, remember verse 10, Jesus', king, Jesus disciples are told privately that to them belong the kingdom and the secrets of the kingdom that have been given to them, right? They've, they've received, they've been allowed to hear what Jesus is saying, what he means, and to the rest, they've just received a parable. They, they don't even understand the parable, and then Jesus even quotes Isaiah 6 to show that it leads to judgment. Yet through these two Proverbs, Jesus begins to say something else. He doesn't want his disciples to think that this message is for them and only them and going to stay with them. Jesus wants them to know that his message is for everybody. Jesus has not covered his lamp. Jesus is not putting, he's not covered it with a jar or put it under a bed. He's put it on a stand for everybody to see. And even though the meaning of his teaching right now remains largely hidden, or, or in his time remained largely hidden, there would come a time where it would be made manifest and everything and everyone would understand who he is and what he came to do. This would happen or, or begin happening through his disciples and the building of the church. As the church expands, the light expands, and people see the truth. And that's a great thing, right? That's an amazing thing that God is doing, and he's been doing all throughout human history. But along with the greatness of the expansion of the gospel of the, uh, to the world comes a warning, a sobering warning. One day, all will see the kingdom. But here's the thing. That means everyone is going to be held accountable to responding to it properly. Nobody will have the privilege of remaining neutral. Listen to his warning. Verse 18. Take care then how you hear. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he thinks he has will be taken away. 
what Jesus is saying here is that to the one who responds to his word rightly, more understanding will be given. And to the one who rejects his word, like, like the bad soil, understanding will be taken away. I want us to really think about this for a second. Those who take care in how they hear the word are given a progressively deeper understanding of Christ and his kingdom. This is an amazing part of the Christian life. We start out by embracing the milk of Christian teaching and we eventually grow up to eat the meat. The idea here is that true understanding begets further understanding. When you embrace the word of God with a soft heart, it actually changes your heart to make you softer to receive more of the word of God. And God generously and graciously gives you more of his word and you receive it because your heart has been softened. And it's just like a cycle, right? This majestic, amazing cycle of the Christian life that we come to know God more and more fully. It's a cycle that will continue on for the rest of time. But the one who is careless with the word of God, he doesn't have what he thinks he has, which is understanding. He doesn't actually understand how the world works. He doesn't actually understand what the world's about, even though he thinks he does. But furthermore, his ignorance and hardness of heart will beget more ignorance and hardness of heart. The more you hear the word of God and respond to it poorly, the harder it gets to respond rightly. Do you, do you realize that? It's a scary thought. The more you hear the word of God and respond to it poorly, the harder it gets to respond to it rightly. And neutrality here, as we've talked about, is not an option. You don't get to be neutral. The word of God doesn't return to him void. It always accomplishes the purpose that he gives to it. Sometimes God's word will soften a heart. Sometimes God's word will harden a heart, but it's never neutral. You know, a lot of people, and this may even be you here today, think they can assess the message of Jesus from afar like it's some philosophy textbook. Right? You can assess it from afar and, and, and furthermore, that you can live outside of its implications. Right? You've probably heard things like this before. It's not really for me. Okay? It's for someone else. It's, it's nice. It's good that you found your religion. Right? It's good. I can see it does good things in your life. It's not for me. I'm over here. I'm going to keep, keep it at an arm's length. Whether you realize it or not, that response is not a response of neutrality. It's, it's being hardened. That's a heart being hardened. You're being hardened to the only truly good news you could ever hear. You can't choose to exist outside of it. It is for everybody. How you hear has a massive influence on the state of your heart, not just in the future, but right now. And that's why we have to take care. When God's word goes out, Everybody must respond. Everybody is being softened or hardened by their own responses. You can't run away from the gospel. You just can't do it. So please, take care how you hear before it's too late. Some of us, I don't know, again, I don't know you guys very well. Some of us may be in a state of hardening this morning. That's where we might be. 
And we need to hear this message as a wake-up call. Some of us may not be hardened to the word, but we have people in our lives who we care about that are. And hearing something like this, you may be wondering, is there any hope? Is there any hope? If this, if this person I love is, is caught in a cycle of hardening, and hardening, and hardening, what hope is there for them? I think the same hope for the rich man that Jesus talks about. His disciples asked him, remember, when he said how hard it is for the rich man to enter the kingdom of heaven? Well, then who can be saved, Jesus? He said, with God, all things are possible. God can take a hard heart and melt it. God can take a hard heart and do amazing things with it. He's doing that every day, guys, every day. So don't lose heart. Keep speaking the gospel. Keep praying. Keep entrusting the results to God, and he will do good. And then lastly, the love of Jesus creates obedience. The love of Jesus creates obedience. Let's read verse 19. Then his mother and brothers came to him, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. And he was told, your mother and brothers are standing outside desiring to see you. But he answered them, my mother and my brothers are those who hear the word of God and do it. You know, we don't know why Jesus' family is there to see him. You can speculate a lot of different things, and people do. But all we're really told here is that the size of the crowd keeps them from seeing Jesus, keeps them from getting to them. And when Jesus is told, he decides to use it as a teachable moment. He uses the moment to give one last principle of proper hearing. Those who obey him well, or sorry, those who hear him well, don't just hear with their ears, but obey him with their lives. They don't just hear him with their ears, they obey him with their lives. The picture of the family in the gospel is such a beautiful thing. When you become reconciled to God in Christ, you're not just putting your name down to join a cause, right? There's plenty of causes out in the world to join. You're not joining another cause. What you're doing is you're, be, you're being adopted into a family. Do you realize that? You're being adopted into the very family of God, the very heart of Jesus. It's amazing to me how Jesus identifies his disciples as his family, even at the expense of his own biological family who are standing outside the door. The heart of Jesus embraces his family in a special, special way. Do you want to be special to Jesus? Do you want to have that kind of unrivaled intimacy that's possible to have with Jesus? Do you want to be a, be a benefactor of God's special, familial, redemptive love? Do you want to be a part of the family? That's available to you. That's available to you through hearing and embracing the word of God, like the good soil or the one who has. And I pray we would all find that faith, that God would gift it to us. You know, it can be really easy to read this passage the wrong way, to read obedience coming before faith. It can be really easy to read, okay, well, I can be a part of Jesus' family if I do enough stuff for him. That's not what he's saying. He's saying those who love me embrace me. And those who embrace me as family want to be like me. 
That's all it is, right? Obedience is, is a result of that faith. Obedience comes from the very core of what it means to embrace the kingdom of God. If you want to take care and examine how you're hearing, Jesus is just telling you, look at your life. Look at your life. If you're wondering where you stand, look at your life. Do you obey Jesus? Or are the good things that matter to Jesus the same good things that matter to you? Are the evil things that, that incite justice in Jesus the same thing that incite justice in you? Do you obey? You know, it's a really good test of how well or how poorly you're, you're listening or hearing Jesus. And a lot of us know the good things. We know a lot of the basic stuff about what it means to be righteous or, or what it means to be good. But don't be fooled into thinking that knowing is the same thing as living it. Jesus isn't looking for scribes. He's looking for servants. He doesn't want people who can memorize and repeat what he tells them. He wants people who are shaped in every way by the kingdom so that the values of his kingdom become the values of your heart. That's, that's what matters to God, that, that his will would matter to you. You know, I regularly look at my life and can find holes in this pursuit. I, I, can, I can every day look into my life and see how I do not measure up to the righteousness of God in my life. But if I look back on, on, on the last few decades of my life, I can see all of the things that God has, all the ways that God has shaped me to love what he loves and to hate what he hates. And that manifests itself in obedience. And that's one of the beauties of the gospel is we're not just being called. We're not just being called to, to be forgiven and stay the same. We're being made into new creations. We're being made into new creations and one day we're going to be fully formed into the image of Jesus. And, and this, this call to, to obedience, I really want you to hear this the right way. It is not a burden that Jesus is laying on you. It isn't. It's not a burden. He's not saying, you know, if you want the good stuff that I have to offer, i got a couple of things for you to do first. Jesus' call to obedience is the good stuff. It is the good life. It is a part of embracing the kingdom. It will change you and transform you. It's, it's the better way. So if you have no love for the values of the kingdom and the righteousness of God, all Jesus is saying is, you haven't embraced the kingdom. If you don't love what the kingdom's about, you haven't embraced the kingdom. For some of us too frequently, I think the life of obedience to Christ feels like an empty burden. It feels like it's just keeping us from doing the things we'd rather be doing. My advice to you is pretty simple. Look deeper. Take care. Take care how you hear because if this is how you see the kingdom of God, you haven't yet embraced the joyfulness of the law, the joyfulness of, of the word of the Lord who, who requires your obedience, but it's good for you. It's good for you. He wants not scribes, but servants who love him and everything he's about. So take time and just gaze at what, make, what makes Jesus so good. You want to know where righteousness comes from? That's where it comes from. Gaze at Jesus. Look at who he is. Look at what he's about. Look at, look at who God is and what his heart is about. Because that, if you fall in love with that, your life will become that. We want to experience the transforming familial love of Jesus, and it, it results in obedience. So Jesus' message here in all these texts is 
to take care of how we hear. Many of us hear his words, but relatively few actually understand and embrace them. The dangers of spiritual warfare, suffering, and worldly pleasures can impede our hearts and the ability of our hearts to hear well. Some may even want to ignore the choice to respond altogether. But the word of God is for everybody. No one can remain neutral. We don't simply assent to his word, but but the love of Jesus actually transforms us to a life of joyful obedience. All of these reasons are reasons why we must take care, things we must be looking for in our lives. And the way Jesus teaches here, he's prompting us to ask some tough questions. Actually, I hope you felt that this morning. There's some tough questions here. I know from my own heart, and even preparing this message and reading this text, there's some tough questions that you gotta ask yourself. What kind of soil am I? Is my heart being softened or is it being hardened? What does my life show is true about my heart? I can't answer all those questions for you, but I can tell you this. The life that Jesus is calling you to is worth it. It's absolutely worth it. The kingdom he's made you for is worth it. Whatever you have to do to stay vigilant, to hear well, do it. And and I promise you, I promise you it will be worth it. And if you're willing to answer the call, God will begin a work in you. He will begin a work in your heart that he will absolutely finish in the end. He will see you through. You know, I don't know if you're here today and maybe you have your ears stopped. You don't want to hear. Maybe your heart is hard. Maybe your heart has been softened, but you recognize that there's a lot of these dangers in your life that seem to be winning at certain points and places. Whatever it is, I know a guy who opens deaf ears. (laughs) I know a guy who gives sight to the blind. It's Jesus. And he's able to do that for you too. So let's pray and and ask him to do that and do that effectively. Lord God, we admit that we don't see your word in our fallen state the way that we ought, that we don't respond to the gospel the way that we ought to. We don't embrace it in faith because we want to write our own stories It doesn't work its way out into obedience because we don't actually love you. (laughs) Lord, these are the ways that that we can falter. And there's all sorts of states in between where we're just, we're, we're new creations, but we're not finished yet. And Lord, it can get confusing. I just pray that you would, that you would give true hearing to all of us this morning, no matter where we are. Lord, if there are people in here today who have never actually embraced the gospel. If there are people here today who have never actually in faith taken a hold of it and said, I'm a sinner in need of a savior and embraced the work and trusted the work that you've done for them on the cross, shared with you in your resurrection. Lord, I pray for those people that you would awaken dead hearts to life, even now. And God, for those of us in whom you have done this work, and are just seeking to be vigilant every day to guard our hearts, I pray that we would not forget that, Holy Spirit, you are the one who gives all the power for that. You are the one who transforms. We can't do it ourselves. And so I ask that you would give us grace in this moment. Lord, we, we, we want to be able to sing the truths of the gospel in, in full in, with full integrity and in all clarity. So even now as we sing, Lord, fill us up 
with these truths, not just that we would understand them, but that we would embrace them. Fill us up with them so that we can walk away from here, change to people, we pray in Jesus' name, amen.